2: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong.
0: Jackson's back, Jack. And
4: Joe Getty.
5: Joey baby. Things are getting weird. And they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty.
4: But I know this. They're loco. And everyone knows it. But the dramatics could come down just a little bit.
5: And now, he is Armstrong and Getty.
4: A two-parter on 60 Minutes, which they rarely do. The first segment and second segment were both about How ready is our Navy to go up against China if they invade Taiwan? And, I mean, it was not hinting at it. I mean, it was just laid out. This is what's going to happen. They're going to try to take Taiwan. We're going to stop them,
5: and it's going to be a Navy battle. Who wins? That's what the story was. Isn't that the way you took it? Well, right. And here are the missiles they will shoot at our aircraft carriers. It will kill many guys and wreck many planes. What are we going to do about it? What will we shoot back at them? Right.
4: Yeah, that was pretty pointed. It was serious. makes you just realize, man, this is we I also saw a thought and we got uh, more clips from uh, 60 minutes to play here in the next couple of seconds. For some reason, they did this thing with the map where they showed that the way that the world looks at the map and the way that China
5: looks at the map. Did you see that yeah. part? I, thought I that, did. I thought that was great. That really made an impression on me. Well, yeah, especially it hadn't occurred to me that there is a fence of U.S. Allies not between accident. China and the open sea. Yeah, not by accident. Right, Japan, uh, Taiwan, and the Philippines form, uh, in in, a, in essence, a, a a giant fence across the Pacific that kind of pens China in.
4: Right, where half of the world's trade goes through. If China can take that part of the sea and like basically be in a you know like a mob boss. Oh yeah, your ships can go through, but you're gonna have to pay us this much. Or these ships can go through, but those can't. You know, they right. could really control the world economy. Um, what we're trying to do is just keep the lanes open so everybody gets to go wherever they want. Uh, but them taking Taiwan would really uh, you know, open up a hole in that fence that has been created by us and the rest of the world to keep China from being able to dictate the terms of half the world's trade. Also, I am for Guam becoming a state tomorrow. Where do I vote? Because that made yeah, a pretty big you. impression on me, too. If Guam's a state, things look a lot different, don't you think? How so? Uh, in terms of, yay, you can't be getting this jumpy this close to the United States. I mean, we can flat out say the United States if Guam's yeah. a state.
5: Yeah, yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought about that
4: much. Yeah, Guam needs to become a state tomorrow. Where do I vote? I'm going to get a little Guam flag. And-
5: Guam is in the way Western Pacific. If you're not familiar yeah. with the geography,
4: exactly. Well, it's it, it's not. Well, it's it's already an American whatever it is. They vote, don't they? It's a
5: territory protectorate. We got a giant uh, naval base there. I know that because
4: that was the argument that that commander of the Pacific fleet made. Nora O'Donnell said something about, you know, them being over there and we're being way over there. And he said, no, no, no. The United States is in this part of the country, Guam. So, uh, the world, Guam. So I mean, we're yeah. already making that argument. No, no, no. We're we're right here. The United States is right here. If they, this can, is
5: our backyard.
4: Y- yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That was the quote yeah. she was talking about it yeah. being China's backyard. He said, "No, it's our backyard too. Guam's here, and so Guam is more legit than them building islands in the middle of the ocean and claiming that's part of China. Mm-hmm. At least Guam was created by God in the seas." Not <laughs> piling a bunch of dirt in the ocean and call it No, as island. the Armstrong Doctrine. <laughs> anyway, here's, uh, let's hear some more from Nor O'Donnell and this admiral who runs the Pacific Fleet. One
1: common thread in our reporting is unease, both about the size of the U.S. fleet and its readiness to fight. The Navy's ships are being retired faster than they're getting replaced, while the Navy of the People's Republic of China, or PRC, grows larger and more lethal by the year. We asked the commander of the U.S. Pacific Fleet, Admiral Samuel Paparo, about this on our visit to the USS Nimitz, the oldest aircraft carrier in the Navy.
4: We call it the decade of concern. We've seen a tenfold increase in the size of the PRC Navy. Yes, yeah, so ours is a shrinking. Theirs is growing at at least the previous rate was it got 10 times as big in 10 years, which is really quite a stunning number. I've got some of the stats on the shipbuilding, but I don't know if they're included in some of these clips here.
1: Technically speaking, the Chinese now have the largest Navy in the world in terms of number of ships, correct? Do the numbers matter?
5: Yes. As the saying goes, quantity has a quality all its own.
1: At some point, are they going to reach numbers that we can't prevail over?
5: I'm not comfortable with the trajectory.
4: Yeah, I'll bet. And here's Representative Gallagher a little on that before I'll get to some of the stats.
1: Congressman Gallagher is a Marine veteran who represents Green Bay, Wisconsin. He chairs the new House committee on China. He's concerned that under the Navy's current plan, the fleet will shrink to 280 ships by 2027. The same year, the CIA says China has set for having the capability to take Taiwan by force.
3: So we will be weakest when our enemy is
5: potentially strongest. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Wow. Wow. Thank God for our subservice, which continues to be uh, the the elite of the elite on Earth.
4: Yeah, and they uh, featured on 60 Minutes last night some new unmanned underwater drone thingy that's going to have some tremendous capabilities, but it ain't built yet. But the idea that our Navy would be the weakest it's been in decades at the same time that China's Navy is the strongest it's ever been, and we can see that coming is uh, pretty troubling. So China has 19 major shipyards, one of which has more production capacity than all of the United States shipyards combined. Holy so they have 19 cow. and one of them is so big. It's bigger than all of ours combined. We really went, uh, went down in, sh- in shipbuilding after the cold war ended. I forget the stat they had on there, but we went from like 30 some to seven or something. Uh, Uh, It was uh, it was dramatic. Um, China is outbuilding many of the Western navies combined. And then this guy they had on 60 Minutes last night, who is with the Center for Strategic and Budgetary Assessments, says by investing heavily in defense industrial infrastructure, China's navy now builds warships much more quickly, quickly than the United States. So unless we build uh, increase our shipbuilding capacity, we can't catch up. Because they're building them as fast as they can. we They will continue to get further ahead of us.
5: Yeah. Yeah. We're behind and falling further behind. Yeah. Which is pretty troubling. Well, and it's, uh, you know, just to throw in a note of cynicism, so many decisions about which weapon systems are built and when have to do with uh, who's a powerful congressman, who lobbies whom most successfully, never mind the geopolitical realities of the thing. It's a money deal.
4: Boy, some of the stuff where they were talking about China sinking a couple of our carriers and then the, the, the guy on the, with the Navy pointing out that there are 5,000 people on this carrier, you yeah. know, they didn't take, go to that next sentence where you would say, so 5,000 people would die in one shot, but that's clearly what would happen. So that piece on 60 minutes last night was a was a serious uh, portion of journalism that they had as she mentioned been working on for many many months. And uh and I noticed from the chatter on Twitter among your big thinkers that it 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 made a it you know it left a mark in terms of the conversation about our readiness to go up against China and the likelihood of it and all that sort of stuff. It's 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 for real. The two, the the two most powerful countries in the world are on a You know, they're on train tracks headed toward each other. Unless something happens, there is going to be a collision. But so this was not from the 60 Minutes piece last night. Uh, This is actually retweeted by Jonah Goldberg. This is from a couple of weeks ago. Testimony in Congress, the Secretary of the Navy. I can tell you that I have made climate one of my top priorities. Everywhere from Vietnam to Ghana to right there in the Caribbean, we are collaborating on projects enabling best practices to cross-pollinate. I guarantee you, whoever's reporting to Xi in China, don't give a crap about climate change in terms of getting their Navy ready to go to war with the big bad United States of America. It never crosses their mind they haven't spent a second thinking about it or a penny in terms of the impact.
5: How much time do you spent there figure they're spending on their uh, transgender sailors policies as well.
4: Now I hope China. I hope that that was just to make people happy in Congress or half the country happy or whatever that he just said that because he thought he had to politically. But if they're spending any time in the navy, any money or time worried about this, I can tell you I've made climate one of my top priorities.
5: One of your top priorities while our Boy, enemy I'm- is not doing it at all. I'm hoping it's what you're suggesting. He was just giving a little lip service to the lefties in Congress to get them off their back. God, I hope so, too. Although there are things I see that make me wonder. I don't know. It's difficult. I, I have a source near a source who knows a source has reported that when you go in front of Congress as a, uh, 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 a representative at a high level of the United States military, you're going to put up with some ridiculous stuff. You are going to be asked questions. You are going to be pushed in directions that, you know, are crazy, but you get these woke Barbara Boxer back in the day or AOC type people who have no grasp of reality and or they are just virtue signaling for their far left base. And, and they are much more interested in, in getting the political contributions or the credit for expressing their beliefs than the preparedness of the United States to defend itself. I mean, it's not even a they don't even think about that latter concern. Um, and so, yes, you are ready to be asked crap, told crap, and you might be prepared to answer with some crap. And I'm hoping that's it.
4: Yeah, me too. Because it uh, it's going to happen. The fact that we just dominated their Navy a decade ago, and now they have a bigger Navy than us, and, it's, and the gap is going
5: to widen over the next 10 years, is super troubling. Well, Jack, I'll tell you, as a political scientist, there are real advantages to di- dictatorships. They're efficient. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They're brutal. They're horrible. They're indefensible. They're immoral. But they are efficient
4: in you a lot of ways. They well, they are very inefficient in other ways too, as we've seen with Russia. Oh, yeah, so sure. we could hope that a lot. Of what we believe about China to be true, and a lot of what they believe about their own military to be true, is is you know similar to Russia. People were skimming at various levels, or or not uh, not actually meeting the uh, various standards that they that were supposed to. They were lying because that's what you do in communist countries.
5: Yeah, I think there could be some overlap. I think it'll be a different set of problems based on what I know about the Chinese military, but um, which ain't much. Uh, But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Speaking of giant countries, I want to talk about how many people in India still
4: poop in a hole. It's really an interesting story. You seem
5: slightly amused by this fecal matter. I am amused by it. Dr. Johnny Depp, who's been studying India for decades. Maybe we'll get to that later. There's nothing amusing about poor sanitation. Have you heard of cholera, sir? Cholera, ha, 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 please, E. coli.
4: I don't know. It seems just so kind of quaint and charming, you know, churning your own butter, sewing your own clothes, pooping in a hole. Eh, It's like camping. It's like camping, exactly. Yeah, in India, everybody's camping.
2: (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
1: Show.
5: Uh, Let's uh, plunge on, shall we? It's the freedom-loving quote of the day. I love this one from Orwell. This is what you need to remember about the woke crowd that is trying to tear down all the institutions of this country. One does not establish a dictatorship in order to safeguard a revolution. One makes a revolution in order to establish a dictatorship. Mmm. So true. Sure seems to happen a lot. Mailbag. If you would like to email us, please feel free mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I will tell you this, though. Here's a little hint. If you uh, disagree with something, if you're outraged even with something that one of us says on the show, if you, like, take an insulting tone, I just stop reading immediately. Immediately. I will never have any idea what you think. On the other hand, if you say, hey, I think you may have missed this one uh, respectfully. Here's why. I'll read the entire thing.
4: It's just like what I was saying a few minutes ago about the media's treatment of Trump. If you're going to take that insulting Trump, people who are kind of on the fence, you know, I'm not sure, I'm kind of over him or whatever. No, I'm back on Trump's side. F you with your insulting tone. Yeah. Because CNN with a panel last night of a dozen people talking about idiots who still support Trump. Oh, yeah? Oh my God. We're going to show you something real funny. You have day. just
5: ordered me to pick a side. Right. And I don't know if you're going to like which side I'm picking. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, anyway, pledging along. Uh, Thank you, writes Andrew on the left coast. I'm turning 17 today. And thus marks another full year of listening to your show every uh, every weekday. been privileged that you've featured me four times through Mailbag. Well, five now. Uh, and he it says some very nice things about uh, our show as the artificial high he uses to get through the frustrating teenage years. How about that? A 17-year-old young man. Listening to talk radio, <laughs> uh, uh, you're getting serious too young. You're going to be worn out. You'll be
4: co- your your gears will be completely ground down by the time you're
5: oh, 35. There is that risk. Anyway, thanks for listening, my uh, my good man, and happy birthday. Oh, da 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 da. Are oh, you yeah. hey, hey, guys, guys we're...
4: Smoke, you're listening to hip hop and smoking weed? No, Listen to no, AM talk oh, radio.
5: I've got some information on, on teenagers smoking weed right now. The whole, if we legalize it, will more kids smoke pot thing has been decided. Wow. I want to hear that. Holy crap.
4: Yeah, interesting.
5: Moving along, uh, on the concept of returning people's land to them, whether it sits under Dodgers Stadium or UC Berkeley or what have you. Guys, uh, the Europeans uh, followed indigenous people's customs. No record of Indian tribes buying other tribes land. It was constant warfare with a stronger tribe taking the land. Comanches controlled the land between the Gulf of Mexico to the Arkansas River, chased the Apaches and Navajos to Arizona. They did not possess this land with fair and equitable negotiations and exchange of material value, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Right. Moving along. I like this. Uh B writes, Dan Quell for president quail is only 76 bring back the young man wouldn't you love to see a quail harris debate he would solidify all perceptions regarding harris being an idiot dan quail is younger quite a bit younger right well wow, that's interesting than, than joe biden he was and, uh, a, a, about the same age as trump right
4: our 17 year old listener and other young people probably don't know he was a vice president 35 years ago or whatever good god
5: you're inevitable. We got 30 seconds. Bud Light update. Ron in Tennessee has been drinking Bud Light and Budweiser for over 40 years. He said, no, I've never boycotted anything, but I'm just going to drink Coors Light. Tastes the same. And then this story, Chicago gay bars are boycotting Anheuser-Busch for distancing themselves from Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> so Bud Light getting it from both ends, an unfortunate uh, a choice of words, probably. But um worst Marketing decision in modern history. Oh, yeah. Now you can't win.
4: Oh, that's a terrible situation to be in.
5: Armstrong and
2: Getty. This is the day that we
4: say... You're <laughs> about to open a pit of hell! The
2: Bobcat take
0: one Bob? A Bobcat! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on, guys.
4: Obviously, this does not appear to be a nominal situation.
0: Well, la frickin Okay. Come on! That was quite entertaining. That was really cool. It
3: makes no sense. This country's gonna be in big trouble. I'm
2: gonna call my lawyer gun. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: I was listening to a podcast last week, and a a pundit that I really like was actually talking about the Dylan Mulvaney story and saying, you know what? This is why a lot of people, when they get to the end of their lives, they're okay with going, because there's just been so much change in the world, they just can't handle it anymore. And they think, you know what? My time is over. No country for old men.
5: Whoever it was was stealing from me.
4: And uh, I, I I think it's just a real aspect of humanity, maybe. And I was having this feeling uh, trying to go to skateboard parks uh, in the L.A. area over Saturday. So my son was on spring break, and two things we were going to do is go to a bunch of different skateboard parks. He actually uh, scooters rather than skateboards, but that's a popular sport also, And, um, uh, and do car stuff. So we did really awesome car stuff. If you've never been to bob's big boy on a friday night in burbank that is its own fantastic car show that just spontaneously happens you get yourself a cheeseburger and a milkshake and look at some of the coolest cars you've ever seen really really wow fantastic
5: yeah and And i want to hear about the dictator's cars you teased us earlier i want to hear about and then
4: we went to the peterson auto museum which is i think considered the best auto museum in the world and if you were into cars and if you've never been and you're ever in the la area you should go it's just freaking amazing but we hadn't done the downstairs part, the, the vault, the secret vault. You have to pay extra money to go down there. And uh, and we went down and looked at a bunch of different cars. And, yeah, they have all kinds of president's cars, like Eisenhower's car, FDR's car. They have the Pope Mobile from various years. Wow. And a variety of dictator's cars, Saddam Hussein's um, uh, Mercedes that he had. And they explain all the different ways that they're protected. But the the heaviest vehicle they have there belonged to Ferdinand Marcos, dictator of the Philippines, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And uh and it's so heavy because it is all kinds of bulletproof, bombproof, this and that. It had some big sort of tank in the trunk where it could like release an oil slick, I mean like straight out of James Bond if anybody was chasing him. It had wow. special lights on the back that were bright enough for a plane to spot from the air to be able to land if he needed to escape or to blind whoever was chasing you. That sort of thing. I mean, it's just wow like, really, you, you, you see the stuff in movies, you don't realize that it's actually true. Oh, and then what was most entertaining to me, this uh, Pantera, which is an Italian sports car that belonged to Elvis that has bullet holes in it because it quit on some road and Elvis got out of the car and <laughs> shot it three times.
5: <laughs> Oh, Elvis. Elvis, don't shoot your car. Elvis! Oh, what are you doing, boy? How unhinged is it to shoot your car because it quits alongside the road? <laughs> well, he shot his TV once, too, right? How many yeah. inanimate objects did Elvis shoot? What's the complete tally? Right. But the other part of the
4: trip was going to skateboard parks, and so we uh, traveled with a scooter on the plane and uh, got there, and I uh, just looked up skateboard parks and went, but um, ran into this a couple places, including one in particular in uh, in the Burbank area. Skateboard park that I went to. So we went to a lot of skateboard parks that were freaking jam-packed. I mean, there were so many people there. They were there for a little while and left because it was just too crowded. Oh, we should have come earlier, blah, blah, blah. One skateboard park that was completely empty, which I can attest to with the picture that I tweeted out over the weekend. Beautiful Saturday afternoon, not empty. A kid at this giant gleaming skateboard park and i thought that's kind of weird so we get around to the gate and uh do you have uh, all the pads that you need well you got to fill out the form you're gonna have to sign the waiver and then there's somebody working at the skateboard park if you don't know skateboarding that's not the way skateboard parks work you just show up and skateboard they're giant right. chunks of cement there isn't anybody working there at this place they had somebody at the gate a couple of people at the gate and you had to fill out paperwork and said you need to have elbow pads and knee pads before you're allowed to skateboard. You you mandate padding for people to use the skateboard park? Yes, you're not allowed to use the skateboard park. And and uh, and I and this is when I got into my whole uh, thing about what's wrong with America uh, to my son afterwards. I said, you do real. I said, All right, this is not your fault. I'm not mad at you. I realize you just to uh, your employees. But maybe if you're ever in a meeting with your bosses, you could explain to them. Or talk to them about this. You realize that the other skateboard parks in the area that don't have all these rules are packed full of children enjoying themselves. There's not one person in your skateboard park on a Saturday afternoon because you've got all these rules. Yeah, well, those are just the rules, you know. I guess I kind of agree, but you know, the, the rules, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was just trying to figure out what? what This happens all the time. So you got the two combinations that are ruining America. The litigation thing, possibly the whole thing where, well, if we don't mandate padding the lawyer, you know, because when we've complained about schools, local school, a school that my son has attended where they're not allowed to run on the playground the day after it rains because the grass might be wet. And we have heard from people that it's well, the lawyers have told us they'll pull our insurance they'll pull our liability insurance if we let kids do this and somebody gets hurt so we don't have any choice. So you've got that angle of it which yeah. is destroying America and I don't I wish somebody smart would explain to me how we're ever going to break out of this or if we can. And then the other angle out of it is just do gooders who have this weird but some kid might be good get hurt
5: thing. So, so I'm doing a good thing by imposing all sorts of rules so nobody gets hurt.
4: Right. Somebody actually brought that up. And I said, well, you aren't keeping anybody from getting hurt because there's nobody here. They're all at the other skateboard parks where you don't have to wear pads. So You're not actually helping anybody.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I just I fear that law is often downstream of culture. But even if it's not, the the law has so perverted the culture. That you have young people who don't think that sort of thing through, so it's become a, a, you know, a vicious circle of overregulation, litigation, and 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 people feeling like they're doing a good thing by making it absolutely impossible for anybody to take any risk that might end up giving them an owie. I'm a good person for forbidding them from playing.
4: But I was talking to my son about this overregulation thing and what it does to businesses. It's this. It's this weird thing that the left. Enjoys, And I do not understand where it'd be better if restaurants don't open. We'll have these strict regulations to make sure there's not one person that could ever possibly be annoyed by the handicapped railing in the bathroom or the food not being pure enough or the parking spaces not being whatever. But we don't care if restaurants don't open. It's just as long as one doesn't open that could possibly inconvenience any human being versus the other side where I am. And I probably a lot of you listeners of it's better to not be perfect, but have a freaking open restaurant. It's better to not be perfect, but have people actually using the skateboard park. And I don't understand how these two mindsets. I, I guess it's because I don't live in that other mindset. I don't get it at all. I told the story years ago, we we, we we bought a farm that had a bunch of horse stalls with the idea that we were going to, yeah, thank you, Gladys, this was many years ago, with the idea that we were going to board horses, have a little side business. This barn had all these horse
5: stalls It was set up for boarding horses. It'd be You've really, been boring <laughs> listeners for years. Why wouldn't you board horses? <laughs> bored. did you say, oh, board, yes. sorry, yes. So I the, apologize.
4: Sir, plenty of people that want a horse, but they just need some place to keep it, and you allow them to keep it there, and you feed them and everything like that, and you charge like, whatever, $100 a month or... $250 a month or whatever, and you make some money, everybody's happy. But then I went in and looked into it in the particular county that I live in. And they said, Well, you have uh restroom facilities. And I said, Well, there's kind of a restroom. Was oh, is it handicapping? No, it's not handicapping. Have you earthquake retrofitted your bill? And so they got into all the have you had your water tested to make sure if somebody wants to get a drink of water that it's clean, it's clean enough for me and my kids. Well, it needs to be tested by the city and the city. And just so all and wow. so so what did we do? I said, screw it, we won't do it. So we just didn't. Do it so you don't have the horse boarding or the restaurant or the skateboard park or whatever. The whole perfect be the, being the enemy of it ever happening at all makes me insane. And is there any breaking out of that?
5: Boy, that's a good question. It's uh, You can break out of it with your feet if you want. I've told the story of uh, my buddy who relocated a successful business from California to Texas And he went to the the county in Texas and said, hey, I'm about to do this. And they said, go ahead. (laughs) He said, well, don't I have to, like, fill out forms and pay you a fee? And They literally said, for what? Go ahead. It's your land. But don't you have the and that is absolutely true. But don't you have the feeling that
4: the country is going more the direction of you can't because you'll get sued or let's let's have enough regulations that we don't ever even try this as fast as it can. Yep. So, I just wonder what we can do to possibly put the brakes on I, I, there. It, it blows my mind. Like, it makes me insane. Like, barking at the moon insane that other people don't look at an empty skateboard park on a Saturday afternoon and think, well, this is nuts.
5: Well, we're keeping the kids safe. <laughs>
4: <laughs> There's nobody here. And this was a huge, it's the biggest skateboard park I'd ever seen. Just cement as far as you can see, and all these cool bowls and everything like that. Not one kid, not one.
5: (laughs) So that's either uh, uh, an especially liberal area that is into the hyper protection, safety is the only thing that matters philosophy, or and or uh, they got sued by somebody two years ago. Well, both ends
4: of it are ridiculous. The the and I, I I've never understood this mindset either. I mean, I don't want kids to get hurt either, but like I never worry. About other people and whether or not they're making their 13-year-old wear a helmet when they skateboard. It never crosses my mind. But for some of you, you're constantly in a state of, oh my God, about other people and what they're doing with their kids. And so it leads to, I found this out over the weekend and I didn't know it, the skateboard park that my kid goes to in our town, which is... Like most skateboard parks, you just show up and do whatever you're going to do. There's nobody there. But I guess years ago, this one mom who I really, really like and have known for years, she and some other mothers got together and they would show up on Saturdays and uh, sign people in and make sure everybody had the proper pads and stuff like that. And then finally, they quit doing that after a certain number of years, something like that. I thought, wow. Okay. What do you think you're doing? Plus, you, of course, you got a uh, skateboard parks. I don't want to get hung up on this because a lot of you don't use skateboard parks. But the original point of skateboard parks was to keep kids from skating on the steps of the city council building or oh, on the right, railings yeah. at the hospital or whatever and give them someplace else to go. But now you're going to put all these rules on it, which, of course, is just going to send them back to the railings at the library.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That is so annoying. So discouraging.
4: And. I don't, I, I, I've asked so many different lawyers about this. How do we break out of this whole, we can't have the parade anymore because uh, we can't afford the insurance?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. World War? That might be what it takes. A complete start again of society. <laughs> I, I just, I despair. I'm afraid I can offer you no hope.
4: I feel like an empty skateboard park on a Saturday afternoon on a beautiful day is like a symbol of something really awful. It's like that Vonnegut book practically I mean it's just like we're into Crazyville here. Everybody stays home in their house and doesn't do anything so that nobody gets hurt or nobody can sue anyone.
5: Yeah, wow Wow again, I would offer you hope if I could but
4: um... well and, and that gets to the whole you know sweet uh, embrace of death when I finally get old enough <laughs> because I will not be able to handle a world where none of these things even exist and as I always point out where well, there's nobody around to remember that it didn't used to be like this.
5: Well, and nobody around to pitch the idea that, and I'm not. Oh man, look at the time. Uh, I'm not going to open up some sort of tequila and chainsaw playground for children, um, <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, I, I calling- got hurt. I got hurt all the time as a kid, and it it taught me about risk and, you know, what things I was good at, what I wasn't. I'm not in favor of little kids being seriously injured, but uh, it's fine. It's fine. You say ouch and you learn something. Right.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
3: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
6: Mexico will likely have
0: its first female president.
4: And then you have China.
6: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: This headline from the geniuses at the Babylon Bee. Brace yourselves for bitterly funny headline. Marlboro adds puberty blockers to cigarettes to make them legal for kids. That's a good one. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Speaking of doctors, this is a great story. A you very see, encouraging.
4: Cigarettes story. are bad for kids, but so are puberty blockers. Is the point and but so so
5: cigarette but activists are enthusiastic about kids taking puberty exactly. blockers. So exactly. it that would be all yeah, right. Exactly. It's ironic is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story which pleases my heart and, and would make any reasonable human being happy. Messages from your doctor may soon include emojis. All right. And that's a good thing.
4: So uh, got your cancer results back and the emoji is a guy with the X's for eyes.
5: That would be ill-advised. No, no, indeed. Uh, Emojis could soon start popping up in medical communication, such as emails and letters from doctors, according to news research. While this may seem a little strange or even unprofessional, study authors, and they did a study on this, say these pictograms are renowned for their universal appeal and may be able to replace traditional communication methods and engage more patients. Well, and they go into this study that was done and why it makes sense. Do you think we're all so illiterate they can't just use the words? Partly, yes. Yes. Uh, the, the more diplomatic way of saying that comes from a bloke at uh, University of California Riverside. Emojis have universal appeal. They can transcend levels of education, language, and age, thereby establishing a conduit for communication. But,
4: but where's the need? What's driving this? You can communicate with emojis, but why are we going to start when it comes to, so if uh, the cholesterol is too high, they'll just send a cow emoji?
5: (laughs) You're overweight? No, again, your (laughs) ideas are not helpful. No. How's your pain? I might send the flat, kind of flat staring face. I might send the, oh, face, or I might send the, ah, face.
4: Well, they do that with little kids. I don't know if they did that with your kids, but they do now. They do the emojis for kids on a chart so you can pick. But but we're not all ch- children without the ability to read. I don't understand why we're doing this.
5: If you're new to the show, Jack is a bitter anti-emojist. Well, really, really sick.
4: That is true, but I don't think that is leaking into here. I just don't understand why we would go from words to emojis for, for medical care. <laughs>
5: Uh, Said again the edumacated fellow, surveys are usually circulated to patients in a variety of different stages of their care, but many surveys are wrought with language that can introduce a barrier. This is where emoji, which are friendly and universally utilized, come into play by replacing survey language that can be hard for some patients to understand. Uh, they argue, though, that to establish a standardized set of medically relevant emojis is critical. So everybody knows uh, what they mean. Uh, and they point out that for certain health conditions like stroke, brain injury or vocal impairments, um, effective communication can pose major obstacles in such scenarios. Emojis could be instrumental. So I don't know. I don't know. How was my heart test, me, test
4: and they just send you back a thumbs down emoji? <laughs> <laughs>
5: How long do I have to live? And they just have the skull. <laughs> oh, man. Oof. Oh, man. Th- thanks for telling me straight. <laughs> that is horrible. I uh, was having a conversation with my daughter who's in for a visit. And is she a
4: hot Cheeto girl?
5: Pardon me? Is she a hot Cheeto girl? I just became is- aware of hot Cheeto girls. Is that like a strip club or something? No, she's a soon to be a law student. Well, I don't think that's got anything to do with it. What's a hot Cheeto girl? I'm not exactly sure.
4: I just heard a big feature on NPR about it. Wow. Stems from some movie or something like that, but I guess it's a thing, being a hot Cheeto girl. Wow, okay. It's a certain uh, like
5: uh, lifestyle or way to dress or act or something like that. So I doubt it is my answer. <laughs> I doubt it. But um, we are having a conversation about uh, education and that sort of thing, and she remarked that of five friends from college who got into education um as teachers four of the five got out in the first two years already several of them in the first year wow they said schools are insane i'm not doing this for a living i'm going to find another way to make a living having spent you know their college careers getting uh, educated on education
4: yeah well if you uh if you got into that profession thinking i'm going to teach that kid that struggles with reading how to read and Mm -hmm. All the enjoyment that would come with that. And then you sit in a classroom like a a friend of mine. His wife is a high school teacher and realize that kids can just say, shut up during your lecture about whatever. Get Mm -hmm. up, look, stare at their phones, then get up and walk out if they want to. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. You
5: Mm -hmm. could have a little restorative justice meeting at some point, but you can't suspend them, can't punish them. That would be depressing. That would be very depressing. And then the uh, the school uh, principal forces you to teach the little girls that they're probably little boys if they're uncomfortable with puberty. All right.
4: Poop emoji. That's what I'm saying.
5: Anyway. Hey, amen to that, brother. Uh, but, Pretty cool. Matter Right, Johnny, we all know what that emoji is. Although, I remember, a few months ago, there's some article, New York Times, whatever it was, that um, uh, Generation Z uses emojis completely different. The thumbs down means thumbs up, and a smile means I'm angry, and the poop emoji <laughs> means that's the S. And, you know, just, all right. all right. You know what, young people? Get in Good line. Luck. It's our world. We own it. I can show you the paperwork. Stop innovating. Stop having fun and toe the line.
4: Hey, young people, enjoy your tax rate for the bills that we ran up. huh?
2: Armstrong and Getty.
6: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit MFM.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6,000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair,